Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. The following program is paid for by Busey Bank. It's time for Money Talk, your chance to call in and receive answers to all your financial questions, from investment management to planning for your retirement and beyond. The experts at Busey Wealth Management are here to help, so you don't have to navigate these difficult financial decisions alone. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. Call in now, 356-9397. And now here is Money Talk. Hi, welcome to Money Talk. My name is Mark Wisniewski. I am the co-host today along with my uh, co-host, Aaron Sutton, who's the Senior Vice President in with Busey. He's on the investment team, uh, the main lead portfolio manager, as I call him, <laughs> the export in <laughs> stocks, asset allocation, somewhat fixed income as well, but general market studies. Uh, and then we do have a special guest today. We've got Dries Dernay. Uh, Dries is Assistant VP. He's our Financial Planner Specialist, uh, and he's a CFP practitioner. So welcome, Dries. And so Thank you, Mark. What we like to do, as always, uh, on this nice, gloomy uh, Thursday in Champaign-Urbana is, Aaron, <laughs> kick it off with some good highlights. It's February, right? We can't be too greedy with the weather. At least, uh, at least there's no blizzard out there or anything like that. So, Heck and, no. <laughs> and I would say, uh, just like the markets, I'll try to segue into that. Uh, you know, it's not too bad in the market either this year. We're actually off to a pretty good start. And this is really despite, I would say, kind of some mixed news out there. Um, but really, investors seem to be taken in stride. And like I said, we're off to a great start here uh, as far as returns go. Now, granted, uh, as we get into this, I'll talk about a little more. To me, it maybe feels like we're a little overheated at this point, given some of the data readings we've been getting in and what the Fed response will be to that. But take it as it may, uh, we will certainly take it at this point. It's always see, nice to see great returns. And again, coming from where we were, say, just a few months ago, uh, when the market bottomed about September 30th, we are pretty far off those lows. So uh, listeners out there, if you've uh, checked your accounts recently, should be pleasantly surprised from, say, where it was just three or four months ago. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, when I got that notification, my 401k statement was available to review at the <laughs> end of the year. My hands were shaking as I was <laughs> logging in. I'm like, do I really want to log in? Do I really want to see, suffer the pain? But uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's 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 nice to see, you know, that there's, there is a comeback. So things are not uh, hopefully as bad as we thought they were going exactly to yeah that uh third quarter last year was a tough one and so yeah we're in a much better place from where we were then but you know to you know check out some of the news items like i said it's kind of a mixed bag out there the one reading that's remained very strong is the jobless claims um that comes out on this thursday so i always like to start with that one claims came in at about one hundred and ninety-four thousand last week this is the fifth straight week that it's actually been below two hundred thousand. Wow. so of all the things out there, uh, this really remains the bright spot is sure. the labor market here in the U.S. 
the last unemployment reading we got was down to 3.4%, uh, which just is a multi-decade low. Yeah, I was so, going to ask, when was the last time it was that low? Oh, I think you got to go back maybe 30, 40 years, something like that. I mean, you so got to go way back. What, what's the average unemployment rate, like 4.55? Probably a little higher than that. I'd say around 5 or 6%. So hmm. we are well below that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now... One thing to keep an eye on this, and we were just talking about this at our investment team meeting, uh, our fixed income manager had some really good data around this. And one thing we're keeping an eye on is temporary workers. Yeah. Uh, if you look back over the last several decades, this has been a pretty good early indicator that a recession may be coming, is when you start to see pressure in those temporary workers. And the thought being is- What you do know, you mean pressure? Uh, as far as- uh, Layoffs. Oh, yeah. oh, laying yeah. off the temporary workers. Laying off the oh, temporary okay. workers. And it makes sense from a business standpoint, right? right? If things are slowing down, the first workers you're probably going to let go are those temporary workers. Sure, sure. Um, and we are seeing a little bit of a sign of that. So right. there were some layoffs there in the last reading. And again, like I said, this has been a pretty good indicator of a potential recession. Now, granted, this has just started. So we got to get a few more readings to make sure this is truly a trend or not. But that is something we're keeping an eye on well, uh, I, among I, the investment team. I was talking to some of the McDonald's people last week. Uh, they need temporary people. They need everybody they can get their hands on. I mean, it just seems still the, the fast food market is probably one of the yeah. places where there is a demand. It, yeah, there is, I would say, like a bifurcation out there where kind of those retail uh, jobs, there's still a big shortage. Sure. But as you've seen, some of these headlines around some of the large tech companies, uh, we saw a large announcement from Abbott uh, because COVID testing has dropped off so much oh, yeah. that they're reducing some of right. their employment. So, yeah, it's really kind of a mixed bag. But I think at the end of the day, that's why the labor market is still so strong, because there are still jobs out there. Now, granted, it may not be the perfect job you want, but uh, there certainly are jobs available. And uh, Aaron, um, could you, because um, I think when you say, um, you know, a recession potentially may be coming, Mm -hmm. Some people might think, well, didn't we just have a really bad stock market last year? Could you maybe briefly like talk about how the stock market is different from what we what we'd like to call the, the real economy, right? Yeah, there is kind of a timing difference in there. That's that's a great question. And yeah, we could spend a whole hour on this, but mm -hmm. to try to kind of briefly explain it to our listeners, the market, as far as the stock market, is always forward looking. So it's trying to discount what investors think will happen in the future. So it could be the case that we're actually in a recession right now and the market's doing okay because investors are anticipating this to be a shallow recession that will come out of fairly quickly. So yeah, even though um, we are expecting a recession this year, kind of as a group, as the investment team, that's nothing you can really trade around um, because there's not a direct link as far as when the recession happens and what the market action will be as far as stock prices. So, um, yeah, when I when I kind of talk about these things on the radio, I am by no means trying to give advice to our listeners of, of something you could trade around this. Uh, it's more really for informational purposes. Yeah, because mm -hmm. as we all know, timing the market in the short term is just nearly impossible because it's so noisy, because there are so many factors that can influence in the short term. But, no, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. And really, actually, too, there's not much of a strong correlation between uh, GDP and market returns uh, because there's, like I said, those timing differences between the two. But yeah, great question. Um, 
You know, as far as some other good news, just this just came out yesterday. Uh, great reading on retail sales. Uh, those jumped about 3% in January, and this was after they fell a little bit into December. Uh, so by all means, consumers are still spending out there. So when you say jump 3%, jump 3% from December's numbers? Or uh, just January over January? That's the year-over-year year number, Okay. Yeah, okay. I believe. Um, and again, the strength there uh, was in restaurant and bar sales. Those are up about 7.2%. Yeah. And I think what's happened is, you know, we're talking about the weather to kick the show off. We've had a pretty mild winter so oh, far. Yeah. And so I think that's really helped uh, the spending number that we saw in January. Um, people did not have to hunker down maybe as much as they typically would. Um, and also auto sales uh, showed a nice bounce back in January as well. So, so you're, you're saying dry January probably wasn't as big of a thing this year as it's been in the past. <laughs> not for everybody, it right. sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, now to, I would say, some of the negative readings we've been getting over the last few days. And these are really all inflation related. So we got a CPI reading. That's a consumer price index. Came out on Tuesday. That was up 0.5% just in January. Uh, the year over year number was about 6.4%. So this is still off some of those peak level readings we were getting. But uh, this definitely came in above estimate. So uh, looks like inflation's being a little stubborn, especially on the consumer side. Um, and I thought this was interesting is, you know, historically, they've always kind of excluded food and energy and just called that core uh, inflation. Now what some uh, economists are starting to look at is what's called the super core reading. And this backs out food and energy and also the shelter uh, proportion of the inflation reading. So even when you back out those three items, that was still up about 4% year over year, uh, which is still well above the Fed's target of about 2%. So uh, the Fed still has some work to do there. Also, too, we got a reading on producer price index. Um, that's wholesale prices. Uh, those are up 6% year over year. So it's looking like I said, the Fed still has some more work to do. And kind of what we're seeing in the market now is the market is now pricing in that the Fed might have to go to five and a quarter or even five and a half percent with that federal funds rate. Wow. And that's a little higher than what right. most people were anticipating. If you go back just a few weeks ago, I think the consensus was we might only get one more rate hike and the Fed might stop at five percent. But now it's looking like they might have to go to five and a quarter or even five and a half again to continue to get inflation under control. So that's putting a little pressure on markets. We're seeing a little bit of a sell-off today. Um, and so, yeah, it's looking like the market's going to have to adjust maybe what the Fed's going to need to do to get inflation under control. Yeah, I mean, you know, this thing most, most you know, listeners don't probably understand is that prime is one of the rates that a lot of, like, lines of credit are attached to or home equity loans. So if it gets up to five and a half, I mean, prime then essentially becomes eight seventy five, mm -hmm. and at eight seventy five, you know, whatever your buying power is significantly reduced. Exactly. So. Yep. Yep. And again, that's the process with why the Fed wants higher rates is to slow things down right. to maybe slow down projects that might have gotten done at lower rates, but now are not profitable at these new higher rates. So that's really, sure. you've kind of outlined the intention of, of why they attack inflation in this method. Um, so yeah, you know, as far as what the market's been doing, like I said, it, we've been off to a good start despite some of these mixed readings. 
Um, and despite maybe the Fed having to go a little higher with, an, with their uh, Fed funds rate. So just since our last show, U.S. markets are up about 55 to 6.5% just in the last month. Wow. Um, and that's pushing up the year-to-date number in some cases into double digits. So uh, if you look at U.S. small caps, those are up 11.5% already just in the first month and a half here. Why didn't you tell me that earlier, Aaron, <laughs> that I could have put you know, a bunch of money in small caps? Well, it's maybe another good time to check your statement and actually <laughs> yeah. feel a little better. Yeah. True, true that. Yep. Uh, so mid caps are up about 11%, uh, and then large cap stocks are still up 8%. And like I said, to me, and again, this is not trading advice, but it just feels a, maybe a little overdone here, just given some of these readings that we're getting and the fact that we're still potentially going to face a recession. And again, the Fed may have to keep rates a little higher for longer uh, than what was expected. And you add on to that, we just got through the earnings report season, or at least most of it. We're about 70% of the way through. And I would say earnings did not look all that great. Um, certainly wasn't a disaster, but it does appear earnings growth uh, was down for the quarter. And that's the first time that's happened uh, in several years. So uh, we're seeing a slowdown in corporate profits, again, because I think the overall economy is slowing down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you, you can kind of see that, you know, from, from the bank perspective, too, is, I mean, Definitely, we're not seeing uh, last, the first six months of 2022, we had a lot of deal flow coming in, meaning okay. people were looking at doing projects, borrowing money for it. And so far, you know, in the early part of 23, we're not we're not seeing as much. But I think it all kind of goes back to what you're saying is when you tie the interest rate to the project, the higher interest rate, it doesn't seem as viable or as good of a deal as it did uh, in 2022. Why don't yep. we go ahead uh, and take a quick break here, and then we'll turn to the second half, and Dries Dernay will talk about some financial planning. Your business is our business. From appropriate lending strategies to retirement plans for employees, Busey will help navigate your financial challenges. With experience working with a variety of industries, Busey has innovative ideas and proactive solutions to help meet your needs and reach your goals. For a top partner for your bottom line, call 1-800-67-BUCY or visit BUCY.com. BUCY, your dream, our promise. Member FDIC. From your home or on the road, take BUCY with you. With convenient online and mobile banking services, manage your finances anytime, anywhere. Download the BUCY mobile app to view balances, transfer funds, pay bills, and more. Now with mobile chat, get your banking questions answered from your device whenever you want, wherever you are. Visit Busey.com or stop by one of our many convenient locations for solutions to your financial needs. Busey, your Welcome dream, Welcome back to Busey Money promise. Talk. My name Member is Mark Busey. I am the co-host today with uh, Aaron Sutton, who is a senior VP at Busey uh, and the part of the uh, well-known investment team. Uh, and we do have a special guest today, Dre, Dries Dernay, uh, who's a CFP practitioner. He's a financial planning specialist with Busey. Uh, we thought it'd be a great time of year to bring Dries on to kind of talk about some helpful tips, especially with, you know, tax season in, in full swing um, and everything. So welcome, Dries. Thank you, Mark. Glad to be here. So what do you have for us today? <laughs> well, um, yeah, currently, you know, um, as a financial planner at BUC, um, I'm also part of the resource team. And the other half of the resource team is uh, tax planning, the tax team. And so they are, as you can imagine, extremely busy 
currently with uh, tax season. Um, you know, they, they work Saturdays as well. So it's a, uh, but as a financial planner, luckily, you know, there's, um, I'm somewhat spared of that, but still, you know, because of the time of the year that we're in tax season, uh, you know, it, it, it's still a lot of people, uh, come with us with some, some good questions, you know, should I, um, you know, should I do some Roth conversion? Should I, you know, there's also still time, for example, to contribute money to a retirement account for last year. So hypothetically, you could do, you can make an IRA contribution for 2022 and 2023 right now in one go, if you know, if if, sure. if you want. And so, what's the uh, what's the cutoff to still make it count towards the prior year? Tax filing deadline, which writes typically somewhere around April 15th. Yep. Uh, I haven't checked this year if it's 16th or 17th. Depends if there's a weekend in there or not. So sure. Is, um, it, is there a maximum on the the IRAs you can contribute? Yes. Yeah, so uh, currently, it's uh, it depends on the age. But uh, if you're uh, below 50 years of age, then it's uh, for IRA it's 6,500, um, and you always get a catch up if you're 50 years or older. You know, because they want to incentivize people to save as much for retirement as possible, and especially given the fact that most people are in their highest income earning years in their 50s, that's when you know they want to give give you some extra rope. Yeah. Not that I'm saying I'm. Over 50, but it might be. <laughs> so I appreciate that. No problem, no problem. And especially we've seen a, a big jump as well for uh, uh, 401k and 43b, like employer-sponsored retirement plan contribution limits, right. where right now, if you are 50 or older, the annual limit is 30,000. Wow. So that's uh, it's quite what? a 30,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. Just to be contributing in, in one year uh, in 2023. So, um, yeah, they just, again, it's... You know, it's this is the government's way to try and incentivize people to save for retirement because the more you save yourself, the cheaper it is for them eventually, right? Because then you can support yourself versus having to rely on the government. Yep. I knew there was an underlying reason they were <laughs> yeah. doing it. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it, it's been, it's definitely been busy. You know, um, at the end of the year, we typically get a lot of uh, Roth conversion questions, especially last year, actually, because of uh, the market was down at the same time, right? And that's actually... Why is that then a good time to do a Roth conversion? Well, because um, um, let's say I have a hundred thousand dollars in a um, in an IRA, pre-tax IRA, it goes down with the market to seventy thousand. If I convert it then to Roth, then I'm if the full account that's seventy thousand I'm converting then, and that would of course mean that I add seventy thousand dollars to my taxable income for that year. So you do pay ordinary income tax on a you know on the amount converted, but after that, when the market or eventually recovers, you know, that growth all of a sudden is going to happen in a Roth account, which then makes that growth tax-free. So in other words, when when the when the market is down, it's not fun. As Mark was saying earlier, you know, people are afraid to open their statements. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it is not a terrible time to do a Roth conversion right. then because then after that, afterwards, the rebounds or the, the growth afterwards when, you know, when the market eventually rebounds happens uh, then in a tax-free account. So um, absolutely, that's uh, that's why last year, at the end of last year, we, we saw a good amount of clients came to us and asked like, hey, should I do a Roth conversion? Mm-hmm. Um, again, just very briefly, a Roth conversion, keep in mind this involves you willingly uh, paying more taxes than you actually have to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because um, again, uh, it's, you know, you, of course people make a certain amount of money each year. That's what they get taxed on. But then a Roth conversion means that you say, okay, I've got $30,000 in an IRA. I want to convert $10,000 to Roth. Uh, that means that in that same year, you're adding $10,000 to your taxable income for that same year. So again, it's willingly paying more taxes, which for some people is a non-starter. 
<laughs> you know, we've all, I think we've all met clients who said, I don't want to pay the government a dime more than I have to. Um, so then, then maybe Roth conversions are not necessarily the, the way to go. Uh, but again, they, they do have some benefits too. I've seen uh, a lot of clients use this recently um, as a legacy tool uh, uh, to leave money to the next generation. A Roth is a great way to do that. And so essentially, they're kind of prepaying the tax for their beneficiaries. And so, yeah, I think it's a great legacy tool if clients are so inclined to do so. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. And it's because we have to say under current tax law, it's a great oh, yeah. legacy tool, right? Yeah. Because, and again, I, I personally think that, you know, um, to take away the tax-free growth benefit of Roth, that would be quite a drastic move because uh, then there'd be no more incentive to do Roth at Absolutely. all. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it is um, it's uh, it is a way. It's indeed in a way prepaying taxes on money that you intend to leave for your kids, so mm-hmm. they don't have to pay taxes on it. Um, so that's something that we saw a lot of at the end of last year, uh, because there you cannot no longer do a Roth conversion and apply it to last year. That that's that, that's over. That's just for you can still do contributions to a retirement account for last year, to IRAs for last year. Yep. Um, okay. You know, up until the tax filing deadline. Um, other reasons is because we see, of course, uh, um, you know, people are, some people are expecting nice refunds and then their question, of course, is going to be, what do I do with this? <laughs> um, and I also think the psychology there is interesting, right? Because um, in the end, the refund is typically all it is, is withheld uh, tax payments from your paycheck right. that were, that was maybe in excess of what you actually owed. So some people, again, they might say, well, that's kind of a loan to the government. I don't want to do that, you know. Um, uh, but then there's the other viewpoint too, where you know tax withholding can be. I mean, um, or sort of maybe with intentionally withholding a little too much, so you right. can get a refund eventually. It's kind of a way of like um, 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 you know forced savings right, almost, right? right because no. if if you got that extra withheld money in your paycheck every single two weeks or every month, whenever however much, however regularly you get paid, maybe that money gets easily spent. But if it's all bundled together and then you get it in one time as a refund, like you know, we're not talking that maybe a couple hundred, but a couple thousands, all of a sudden, okay, maybe I don't just want to spend this. I want to maybe save it or invest it in investment accounts. Uh, so I think also the um, the psychology there can can be can be interesting, and, and I that, think one thing the factor there too. You you mentioned how it's in a way kind of giving the government an interest free loan. Well, over the last several years, when interest rates were basically zero, eh, that didn't really matter all that much because if you had that money yourself, just sitting in a checking or savings, you're basically going to earn zero as well. Now we're in a much different situation where cash you can earn three and four percent on some money market funds now. And so uh, it kind of changes the equation a little bit of, do I really want to give the government my money for free when I could keep that myself, earn a little bit of interest until I have to actually pay uh, that tax bill? Excellent point. Excellent point indeed. Right now, um, uh, money is expensive. And so uh, indeed, you know, it's expensive to borrow money, but at the same time, it's a not a bad time to save money, right? right? And, and and indeed, uh, this refund, you know, the government withheld too much from your paycheck, you know, uh, um, or you withheld too much from your paycheck and sent to the government. The government mm-hmm. then, you know, recalculates your taxes. Okay, you actually, you we withheld, you withheld too much. Here's, you know, here's the surplus. Yep. But there's no interest indeed on that. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially now, you know, if we can earn couple of percent uh, in uh, uh, percentages in, in, in a money market that's maybe a little painful to, yeah. to withhold exactly. too much. You know, who you're, you're breaking some people's heart out there, both <laughs> of you. I mean, the auto <laughs> dealers. I was actually talking to one this morning, and he was saying that he typically could not take February, March, or the early part of April off because it's 
tax refund season. Oh, yeah. And that's when they end up selling a lot of cars because people all of a sudden, as you pointed out, may have two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 come to them. They're like, hey, I can get a new car. Now they got the down payment. Right, that's right. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. It, it, and again, it's, it almost all boils down again to interest rates, right? right. Which is another way of uh, um, uh, saying that. It's just a cost of money, right? And if, if money is expensive, like when interest rates are high, you know, it just it flows less from one source to another. People are more in, are intent to save it for themselves to get that higher interest rate, but that means that they're not going to the car dealer and, and using it as down payment potentially. You know, it just uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's it can be tough out there. But okay. um, but no, I mean, it, it, I think it's a it's a great discussion for yeah. sure. I mean, you really have to make that ultimate decision on what you want. Do you want the government holding your money and not paying you any interest on it, or do you want to earn some? Yeah. You know, now like in this environment, you can earn some interest. But that's also where I think the psychology of a person, right, can be uh, it, for financial planning, especially, can be really important because despite, you know, indeed being an interest-free loan to the government, it can still potentially be overridden in certain cases where the point of forced savings is more important for a person, right? Because right. indeed, some people might say, look, I'd rather still get a refund right. that's more sizable and right. then have some money that I can like then feel like, okay, I can invest this and do something with it, as opposed to, you know, uh, having maybe a couple hundred bucks more every paycheck, but I know it's going to get spent. Right. Out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. That's the best way to save, yeah. Okay, yep. and that, that's where it's really, um, you know, um, it's I think one of the really um, great things about financial planning is to, it's not just numbers, but also psychology of people, right? Yeah. And, and yep. uh, Because, um, you know, the best financial plan is one that, that people will follow, and that's different for everyone. Are you saying people aren't always rational with their monitors? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, it, Potentially, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, with our, our, our last few minutes here, Jesus, why don't you go ahead and talk about, I mean, this, it is tax season we've, we've been uh, talking about is what, what I mean, with tax returns, there is a, a benefit to doing them. You know, from, uh, you know, you've got all the information in front of you. Yes. yes. Right now is a, it's actually also a good time to ask your advisor to, you know, to do a financial plan because, at tax season, there's no choice. You have to gather all the information, means statements, means your W-2, your pay stub, your tax advisor is going to ask for all those things. Uh, so you have to do it um, around this time of year. But that's kind of the same information that people like me, like a financial planner, need to do a financial plan. It's the first thing you ask for, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So now is actually not a bad time to, to talk to your advisor and say, hey, I'd, I'd like to update my plan or I'd like to do a financial plan uh, because, uh, because you probably will have already have gathered maybe 80, 90% of the needed information for that anyway for, you know, filing your tax return. So why not use that that effort you've already done or about to do and also apply to, to do a financial plan? Yeah, that's a great point because that's probably the hardest work from the client standpoint yeah. is just the gathering of information. But once you have it and they hand it over to you, then you do all the hard work from there. That's um, so. Yeah, so that's if, very true. I, yeah. That's what I always tell clients. Like uh, before we start a financial plan, I, I try and balance. Say, look, I mean, initially this is going to be a little painful for you because I'm going to ask you <laughs> a bunch of questions. I'm going to um, ask you to gather a bunch of information. I get it. It's it's annoying. It can be cumbersome, mm -hmm. but once you've done that, then after that's all me, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll do as much of the work as possible yep. after that. But uh, but yeah, it's people are already doing that legwork now anyway to a large degree. So let's use that effort too to to you know and apply to a financial plan. Yep. And, and I think that's I mean the the point you just made. Sometimes it feels painful, 
So people have a tendency to not want to do it. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is you should do it, you know, at what what age should they start looking at doing a financial plan? Oh, good question. Um, definitely not right before they retire because if there's <laughs> if we if we if we if we, if we come, shoot, if we came to the realization we should have started saving more ten years ago, well, you know. Yeah. But again, it, there's never a bad time to do it. Even if you're about to retire, it's still a good time to do. You know, it's you want to know what is it looking like before you pull that trigger, right? Even if you've just retired, you know, again, not ideal, but it's just there's never a bad time but i would say you know I, typically abusey i think the, you know the somewhere between 40 and 6 years old is kind of the sweet spot of most sure. financial planning i think mm-hmm. that's also when people really start getting most serious about it yeah. uh, um occasionally i have the pleasure to working with 20 year olds uh which doesn't happen a whole lot but uh <laughs> but i also say look there's just don't stress about it too much yet you know yeah. uh but yeah don't wait forever either yeah, yeah no i mean uh, i at 20, I wish I was smart enough to start thinking about a financial plan. I, so, I, well, then again, I wish I had a whole lot more money. <laughs> the, the power of, of compounding is pretty amazing. Yeah. So, well, as uh, we wrap up the February show, any quick tidbit of advice, Aaron? Make it quick. Uh no, just keep saving, like Dries said. That's the best thing you can do, and uh, don't waste that tax refund. Uh, spend it wisely. Dries, Aaron. Thank you both. Uh, Thank it's you been both. very enjoyable, enlightening. Uh, it's always good to come here on a positive stock market. You're listening to Busey Money Talk on WDWS. Thank you for listening to Money Talk. Tune in the third Thursday of every month at 1030 a.m. for more Money Talk. Brought to you by Busey Wealth Management. Right here on News Talk 1400 WDWS. <laughs>